overwhelmed by clutter when you walk through the door? Are you tired all the time and stuck just getting by? With each day being a carbon copy of the next and no time or space for yourself? Hi, I'm Sarah and I was you, so I understand. You're a busy mom, whether at home or working full time, feeling like you're in survival mode. There isn't time for more because you're just putting out fires, overwhelmed by all the stuff and aching for something more. That's what the Simple Intentional Podcast is here for, to support you. Whether it's to clear clutter, ditch the overwhelm, and create ease and simplicity, figure out how to be more intentional in your life, or inspire you into action. Each week, I'll share things like practical and actionable tips you can start using immediately to start living more intentionally and create your life, as well as interviews with people that will inspire and educate you. I'm a full-time working mom, wife, and lover of all things simple. After a stage four cancer diagnosis in 2014, I started on a path to change how I was living. And I'm sharing with you everything that has helped me move from a stressed out, people-pleasing perfectionist to calm, in control, and feeling like the best version of myself. So grab your earbuds, a cup of tea, and join me to start making powerful shifts in your life today. This is about so much more than stuff. Hello, and welcome back to the Simple and Intentional Podcast. This week, I'm here with Amy Slunker-Smith. Amy is a decluttering coach, Becker-certified professional organizer, and blogger. Amy helps empty nesters and working professional women go from disorganized, overwhelmed, and unmotivated to the freeing feeling of a clutter-free and organized home. She proves that even the most unmotivated empty nesters can see through the overwhelm to execute a plan to declutter and create a home they love. Amy is a wife to Steve, mom to Zach, and chief minimalist at Simply Enough. Welcome, Amy, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I love, <laughs> I love, um, I love podcasts. I just, I love the work you do and I love being a part of them. So thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm really happy that you're here. So the first question I love to ask guests is to share their story. What led you to simplify and how did you come to live with less and become a professional organizer? Yeah. So I'm definitely going to try to give you the cliff notes version. Otherwise we'll be here all day and, and <laughs> nobody wants to, nobody wants to hear that. But, um, so my husband and I met in college and, uh, so married my, my college sweetheart. We started, we moved to the Washington DC area, which is where we've lived for over 20 years. And we started doing all the things like the climbing the corporate ladder, double income, no kids, um, you know, advanced degrees, working professionals, all those things. And, we we accumulated a fair amount of stuff, which I think is what you think you're supposed to do. You're supposed to earn more, to ideally save more and spend more and accumulate more. And so we did that and we outgrew our apartment very quickly with a lot of stuff. And we moved into what I call our starter home. That's turned in, in out to be our forever home. Mm -hmm. And then we started thinking, okay, yeah, we'd like to have a family. And that process took a lot longer than we had anticipated. So we were, my son, my one and only miracle baby is three years in the making, was three years in the making. I will be launching him out into the world. I'll be an empty nester in about nine months. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we are now. But but the part of that story that led me to where I am with both the professional organizing company that I own and my living simply journey is that I remember this time when he was a baby and I was in the parking lot at Target and I was dragging him out of the car. I just done the daycare dash. It was raining. And I sort of had this moment of like, what the heck am I doing? Mm -hmm. It's raining. I just worked a 10 hour day. I haven't seen him since seven o'clock this morning or earlier. And all I really want to do is just go home and sit on the floor and play with him. And it occurred to me that like the light bulb went off where I thought there is nothing in that store that is more important than this precious baby that was so, such a long journey for us to have and, and get in the first place and all the medical stuff that goes with that. And I just thought, no, 
And that's when my wheels started turning. Mm -hmm. That's when I started kind of devouring every living, simply minimalist book I could get my hands on. I started reading, you know, Joshua Becker's Becoming Minimalist and Francine J's Joy of Less was the first book that just did it for me. And, um, and so that planted the seed. Yeah. And then when my son was in like upper elementary, middle school age, we started talking about this idea that we really wanted someone to be more available to him as he got older. And so I started looking at scaling back my work. And then ultimately we reached a point in our financial plan where we said, okay, you know, it's time, it's good. I can step out. I can start, can start my own thing. I can start writing more about living simply, which is what I just love to do. I love coaching people. I have do also in-person work. And, um, so that's kind of what, what led me here, but you know, that those early seeds were planted. And then I joked that I would, if I was decluttering the house, there were only two things that were safe in my house. And that was my husband and my son. And yeah. so if it wasn't nailed down. I was working to, to get rid of it. And, and like my only regret about all of that is that I just didn't figure it out sooner, but thankfully, thankfully I figured it out early enough in like our young, in a young family's life yeah. in our, our journey, I figured it out soon enough. So, so that's a short version of my story. I hope that helps. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, the more I interview people and the more I get to hear people's stories and, um, and, you know, listen to what led them to these changes, whether or not it's simplifying or whatever, the big changes that happens for people, you know, it really always comes from a moment, you know, a moment where they make a decision, whether it's sort of their push to the brink of something or um, something forces them to recognize the importance um, of what matters to them. And Mm -hmm. um, time and time again, I I see the same thing. And I can totally relate with what you're saying, because I think that, um, again, like a lot of women, especially, I think this sort of productivity that we get caught up in because, you know, we're carrying around this mental load all the time, Mm -hmm. this visible to-do list. And so, you know, I bet there are lots of women out there listening that can relate, could be picture themselves in a parking lot outside a store with a kid trying to like get them to get into the store to do the thing or buy the thing. And all the struggle that goes into that, because, you right. know, when a kid doesn't want to do something or they have other needs or whatever, and you're sort of dragging them around. And when you look at it, really, it's for what? It's like, yeah. oh, I need to go get socks or, you know, I need to go feel like I'm being productive or I need to go, you know, fill that emotional whatever or mm-hmm. I'm bored or whatever it is. And so I think like what you're sharing is very relatable for a lot of people. You know, we all kind of have um, on this journey found ourselves kind of stuck up in that that consumerism um, and, you know, where they butt heads. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That is the consumerism aspect is definitely something that I, I talk a lot about because I think too, that, you know, the, the women I speak to will say, I just don't have time. And, Mm -hmm. and, and what I talk about is what, what are the trade-offs that you could make? And a lot of times it's, you know, I'll say, give up, maybe we give up the target run for, for the next four to six weeks. Maybe if you weren't to your point, like taking that, retail therapy break to walk through the aisles of pick your store. If you weren't doing that, what could you do at home Mm -hmm. that would start to move the things out of your house instead of continuing to bring more things into your home? And we start to think about those pockets of time that we really could trade off. We find we do have time to do this work and it's just so important. It just like, I just, if someone takes from this that they're going to get started today, mm-hmm. then every minute you and I have spent on this podcast will be like a thousand percent worth it. So, so true because it is, it is that moment, you know, where you make a decision. And I yeah. think the other piece of it is, and I talk a lot about this because I'm a huge proponent of meditating um, and practicing gratitude, which I think are both mindful practices mm-hmm. because it's also part of being able to be present where you are in your life, present with yeah. the people that you're with. And, you know, sometimes 
um, that is a little bit boring, you know, like, especially for moms, like when you're with a younger child, like it's really hard to engage all the time with young kids. Like I teach kindergarten, I can say like, you know, um, when we're looking for more sort of mental stimulation in other ways that I think sometimes too, that leads to the, you know, okay, well, I just need to go out and do this chore, check this off the list because it gives Mm -hmm. you something to do. Um, but you know, really, do you have to do that? You know? So it's really, it's an interesting thing to reflect on personally for everybody, you know, when you catch yourself in the parking lot kind of thing. So yes. When you catch yourself in the parking lot in the rain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you focus on helping empty nesters mainly. What are some of the unique challenges that they face versus other groups of people who are looking to declutter? Yeah. So I work with a lot of empty nesters and I work with actually a lot of like working professional women too, who can maybe see the empty nest on the horizon sooner than they expect. Because I do think once your kids are sort of in that upper elementary, what I call upper elementary age, where they're, you know, they're very independent, they're very capable of, you know, you're not doing the whole bath and bed and get them ready in the morning kind of mindset. Um, So I think that sort of season of life is when we finally can, as, as moms sort of look up and say, all right, I'm I'm getting, let me get a handle on things here. And perhaps, and oftentimes, it's because those earlier years have been filled with a lot of accumulation. So to answer your question about what what I think empty nesters challenges is it's time. It's 30 years of, it's 25 years of, it's even 10 or 15 years in one home worth of stuff and no forcing function to remove it. You know, a move is a great motivator to move stuff out of your home. Um, but not not always. You know, I have worked with with many um many folks who move because let's say the military moved them. And so they had a very generous budget to move them. So they took everything with them, or maybe they have a corporate move that allows them to bring pretty much everything with them. And so so a move isn't always the forcing function, but I but it is definitely does help. So so I think it's time and volume is yeah. is one is, are probably the top two challenges that they have. And I also think that many empty nesters, once the kids are gone, they realize that the problem wasn't all the kids stuff. Yeah. So they are faced with the fact that the problem is them and the stuff is actually them because when they start to ask their kids what they would like to have back from the home or what they'd like them to keep, it's minimal. It's very, very little that that most um, offspring, most grown children are are interested in. So yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, um, it's an interesting perspective um, because I think that um, you know, that idea of sort of like passing on so much stuff. Yeah. Um, it isn't something that really happens now. Like I know even my mom is saving, uh, you know, a set of China for me. <laughs> that, oh gosh. Yeah. I'm know. so sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I know like, you know, I, um, I'm not going to tell my mom that I'm probably not really going to use that China. Um, you know, but I might take a couple pieces from it to sort of yeah. like sentimentality of it. And, you sure. know, yeah, like I really can say that there's nothing that I really want from my mom's home. And I think a lot of people um, feel similarly now, but I, I think that it didn't used to be that way. You know, I think a lot of yeah. people, and maybe that speaks to our culture now where, you know, you can buy things so cheaply and things are so readily available that there isn't that same, um, need, I guess, to, to sort of, yeah, I think it's not like the same sort of respect and reverence that might be too strong of a term for, Mm -hmm. but for the things being passed down, there isn't that, that feeling about, well, the quality of the things are so good that I, that I want to have them. And I, and I don't know that it's even just the ability to buy things inexpensively. I think it is, I think you started to hit on it. It definitely is generational. Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with someone actually earlier today about just that, you know, they, she is an empty nester. She has grown children and grandchildren, and she's observing in her daughter, 
her way of living being very, very different. And her she's already has a more sim- living simply kind of mindset. So generationally, when you look at, so I'm a, a Gen Xer. So I always think about those younger than me are pretty much already on board. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm kind of an anomaly, I think as a, as a Gen Xer, I'm, I came on board to this living, simply living with less a whole lot faster than most of my counterparts, mm-hmm. but they are, they are starting to come around, around to it. But what I love about the younger generations, which I don't know all the names of, so I will, I'll, will not attempt them because I'll get mm-hmm. them all wrong, but I just know people younger than me are already in a better frame of mind. They already have a better mindset about, you know, about less. They're not perfect about it. Their their kids are still bringing a lot of stuff into their homes, but they're already on a better trajectory, which um which gives me hope. Yeah. Yeah, and it's different stuff too. Like I think about, you know, like the way you know, we used to eat meals when I was younger or like the way that, you know, we had we entertained and that sort of stuff. Like there was all these things that um, we had in our home because when we had people to dinner, like we used them all. So right. you know, like all that sort of serviceware and like utensils and, and all that kind of stuff, like the China, yeah. you know, the soup trains, like we used all of it when we entertained and like, I don't entertain like that, you know? And I think, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people don't anymore, you know, like a lot of people have simplified that whole process because um, you know, that sort of like, uh, dinner party stress, you know, that right. um, people used to experience. I don't know that um, it's the same anymore. So I think that's a piece of it too. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely a, a, a component of it too. And and so often I'll, I'll talk to people who will say, what should I do with my China? And my question will be, well, I think first you should use it. Yeah. It's like, so if you're, if you have it, you, whatever you have, you should use, but if you aren't using it, then it's not serving you any, any longer. It's just taking up space. It's requiring you to maintain it, to dust it, to clean it, to ensure it, to think about it. It's always in the back of your mind, the stuff that's in your closet. And I know you, I know you know that well, so I don't have to tell you that. Yeah, no, it's so true, but it's an important point for people to hear. Um, Yeah. So I, I also find that people often confuse organizing and decluttering. Um, so could you share a little bit about what the difference is and like, which would you start with? Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I did a, a summit a couple of years ago and the interviewer very specifically asked me to talk about organizing because she already had so many people talking about decluttering. And I said, well, that's going to be really hard to do be, to just jump straight to the organizing. But the and the reason for that is really it, it, so my one of my main philosophies is that when you reduce the volume, spaces have a way of organizing themselves. Yeah, and that organizing stuff really isn't about the stuff. It's about mm-hmm. the margin. It's about the empty space between the stuff. It's about the the buffer that you have in a cabinet so that it's easy to remove items, remove the item you use most often because it's not obstructed by a whole bunch of items you don't use. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of the, the key difference that most people think I just need to get organized. And I would say, you will get organized much easier, much quicker if you declutter first and organize second. And so I think when it comes to how would I describe organizing versus decluttering is, is I would say, I would say there's sort of this concept that I have called remove, reduce, return. Mm -hmm. And remove is when we kind of take everything out of a drawer or a cabinet or a space. So we take it all out. And then we reduce it down to the only the items that we actually use. Yeah. And then we return it by default automatically, even if you do nothing special, you'll return it in a more organized fashion because now everything that's bubbled up to the top is what you need and use and want. And the obstacles have all gone away. The good stuff isn't buried under a bunch of clutter anymore. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm totally answering your question, but that's just sort of philosophically like how I think about it. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with that because you really, you can't organize clutter, you know? So when people attempt to, um, it just ends up being like sort of a cycle of, like you said, going back around saying, oh, I just have to get organized. Oh, I just have to get organized and trying to find like the solution to organizing. But the truth is it's too much stuff. And so Mm -hmm. nobody can really organize that because you're always going to be digging through looking for things or, you know, like it it just makes it, like you said, more difficult to find what you're looking for, to use the space. And so, yeah, I agree with you. It's less stuff. And then, yeah, it, it becomes much simpler. I think too, you know, one of the things when you asked me about my story that I, that I didn't mention, and I think it makes sense in the context of this organizing versus decluttering is that, you know, when I started out in, um, in my corporate career, I knew at that point, like I always wanted to be a professional organizer, but I would have just, if I had started a business, then I would have just binned all the stuff up in neat boxes and I would have never known I would have never realized how important the reduced step was. You know, it took me some time. It took me some mistakes, making some mistakes of collecting. I hope others will not make the same mistakes I did. But it took me kind of going through that journey to say, oh, I this is not how this is not what it means to be a professional organizer. The business I have now is what it actually means. And it's, it's because of so much of what I've learned from either reading or training or my own experience in it. And um, I think that's just an important distinction. Like we, we just cannot organize our way out of a lot of clutter. It just, you cannot out-organize yourself. So yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that um, what I'm wondering too is um, what are some of the benefits that you have experienced or seen of living with less? Yeah, I um, there's so many, but I, again, we I'll try not to have us here all day. Um, I would say that hands down the number one benefit to to living with less has been the financial benefit and financial freedom and being being debt free. So early on in our early on in my sort of decluttering journey, kind of when that epiphany, that light bulb went off, that moment in the Target parking lot was also at a time when my husband and I made a decision to take a financial course. It was a financial small group we did it at our church with a bunch of people. And we thought, you know, we're pretty good with our finances. Like we're, we're pretty good, but this would be, this would be helpful. A tune-up would be helpful. It's always, it's always good to learn. And it was a very, it was a very humbling moment because we realized that we had some things that were not like financially sound that were not well in check. We had a home equity line of credit and that was just a convenient way to, you know, use debt. And we had, we had some extra credit cards and we were not being as mindful about our spending. And the reason I say that the financial benefit is the greatest benefit to living with less is because once I started to make the connection between the buying and the shopping and the target run and whatever, you know, insert your favorite store run and the financial impact that was having, like once we started doing an actual like month to month zero-based budget it all came together. It was like, it just all came together at the same time. And so when I say that course we took was, was life-changing, I actually think it was legacy changing. Like the, Mm -hmm. the legacy, the financial legacy and the financial stewardship and the, just the change in us is, um, is one I'm forever grateful for. And it's because then I realized I also didn't want to buy all that stuff anymore to bring it into my home. The idea of living with less, I started, the first thing was I started to see that financial benefit. And then I also started to see other benefits, like not having to spend time and energy unpacking all the shopping bags or reorganizing the closets, because I'm a very, I was a very organized hoarder of a lot of stuff, basically. I mean, I was very organized. No one would ever say that I was not organized, but the volume that was behind every closet door, every pantry door was, was substantial. So the other benefit was that when I wasn't dealing with all that was I started um, being able to focus more on my health. So I'm able to exercise more. I started 
cooking healthy meals for my family. I could not cook. I was a terrible cook for like the first 10 years of our marriage. And we joked that I, I mean, boiling water was, was not much of an option. And I did set the stove on fire once (laughs) as well. And so, but once I started to kind of like bring down the noise in my house and I had time Mm -hmm. to sit with my neighbor, who's an amazing cook, I could sit at her, her Island and I watch her cook and I thought, this isn't that hard. Mm-hmm. I can do this. She's really focused on the health of her family. It just, it's kind of like all the stuff had been pulling my eyes down into my house and into the closets. And when I wasn't focused on that anymore, I had time to kind of like lift my head up and say, okay, you, you need to, you could do more with your, with your health. You could exercise more. You can cook healthy meals for your family. You can get, get eight hours of sleep per night. You can drink more water. Just like all of these, all of these things about my health were able to become a true priority. Cause I think so many times we say, oh, my health is a priority. And it's like, is it, you know, are we really doing things that make, you know, that make our, our, our health a priority? Um, and then I think the last benefit it, that I would say is that, I no longer have this feeling of, I can never get caught up. Yeah. And that is that freeing feeling. Like that's that weight lifted that physically comes off your shoulders is you're not the kind, you're not walking in the door after a busy day feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to spend the whole weekend catching up. And then the weekend comes and goes and you're not caught up and you just have this never ending. I can never get caught up. I don't have that feeling anymore. I really, I I can't tell you the last time I felt that way. Yeah. It's been a long time. Well, you know, and I think what you're saying really speaks again to that productivity thing. Like I really think a lot of our behaviors and the way we think yeah. and the way we approach things is so much tied to productivity um, because we see that as, you know, giving us value when we are, you know, right. really productive, we're getting lots of things done. We're on top of everything. Um, but like you said, when you get rid of all those extra things, like you actually don't have to be on top of so much stuff. Um, yeah. and you know, I'm still in the stage where I have a young daughter. So, um, you know, like I will probably always have things to do, <laughs> um, in a different way than you, but, I can relate as well because um, simplifying has allowed me to have a lot more time and space. So although, you know, my my house might not always get totally tidied because, you know, I have a five-year-old moving around and playing all the time, you know, it's clean, it's easy to tidy, you know, it's easy to approach these chores. Um, I don't ever feel like if I have a busy weekend going out and doing things that, you know, that mountain of laundry or whatever is just waiting for me. I don't yeah. get that feeling because I have all these systems in place and I have yep. less. And so it does make it easier, even though I'm in like a very, very busy season of life. Um, so I think that when people can kind of step back and like really reflect on again, like what is the motivation behind their behavior? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're in the parking lot or you're bringing stuff home or you're writing that to-do list, like do all those things matter? And do they actually line up with your priorities? Like you said, if, if you're saying health is your priority, then what is, um, how is that reflected in your your actions? Um, so I think, yeah, it it really is like the benefit of less is the time and space to focus on the things that matter, but you also have to do the piece of understanding what matters. Yep. And I think, you know, I think every season with, with kids. So it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I have, I have friends who have younger children, you know, like yourself and they'll, they'll look to me and say, Oh, okay. Now I see what's coming. Now I can, I know what I'm, what I'm going to be up against in, in five or 10 years. And I think that what changes as kids get older is you may not be doing things like physically for them that you have to take care of things for them, Mm. but your, your attention changes to wanting to be able to like guide and teach. 
Mm-hmm. And so when we launch my son into the, you know, into the real world, so to speak in, in nine months, like I want him to be the roommate who knows how to do laundry, who knows how to, um, you know, how to cook, who knows how to keep a room tidy, who knows how to make decisions about getting rid of clothing that no longer serves him and having just the items that he needs, yeah. you know, so it, it sort of shifts from doing to more teaching. And I think for, with our kids, like the teaching and the giving advice and counsel to do it in a way that they will hear it takes time and patience and intentionality. Mm -hmm. And when you're so bogged down with feeling like you can never get caught up, it's just easier to do their laundry for them. It's just easier to cook all the meals for them. It's, you know, the, the idea of saying, Hey, you're a part of this family. And that means that one night a week, it'd be great if you cook dinner or if mom cooks dinner, you get to do the dishes. And I think that productivity piece that you have hit on so many times, I've never thought of it that, that way. So I'm really glad you've, you've brought that up. I think also as women, we think we have to do all the things and, and be the productive one. But as kids get older, our time is is really important to be intentional about teaching them and kind of training them up in the world so so to speak so um so your your attention just shifts a little bit um but it's it's kind of like the same amount of time that you that you're still just as busy <laughs> so yeah. to speak yeah yeah so, well, i don't doubt it i don't yeah. doubt <laughs> but it but it changes in every phase is, uh, as a dear friend of mine said, she'd never met a phase she didn't love. And, and I think she's right. I think she's right. Yeah, no, I could see that for sure. Like, I think, um, you know, like I teach kindergarten, so I can see when you're talking about, you know, it takes a little more time and energy to like show them versus, um, do it for them. Yeah. Younger kids, you know, you know, when you're going to butt up against like, you know, it's going to end in a tantrum or something because you're sort of setting a boundary or you're, you know, laying down something. Um, and it really is our job as parents to do that sort of hard work of that you're their guide and that you're there to teach them. And it's not always going to be, easy or comfortable. And then sometimes we have to look at ourselves and think, am I doing this for me or am I doing it for them? Because a lot of that caregiving too, um, when we do things for them can be because of how it reflects on us. And yeah. like you said, as women, like how productive we are, how much we're caring for our family or that, that yeah. sort of thing. But, um, you know, it's not always going to be easy doing the things that really matter um, for our kids. And certainly they're not always going to like us for it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it, you can't always be, you know, um, in that sort of like spotlight of, <laughs> right. Being the loving mother. <laughs> yeah. Very uh, true. Very yeah. true. Um, so I'm wondering also if you could share, what some of the sort of mindset shifts people would have to adopt or questions that they need to ask themselves in order to stay clutter-free and not reaccumulate stuff after they've decluttered. Yeah. So I I often get a a question similar to this that's, and it's making me, it's making me think of that question and my answer, which is, you know, like where to, where to start and, and like the, what are some practical ideas? And I I think like step one, I, I, not, I think I know like step one is, you know, with all the love of my heart, stop shopping. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to couch this a bit where I would say, stop bringing stuff into your home, stop the inflow. But no, I actually mean a shopping moratorium. I mean, really get honest about what's your trigger store. Everyone's heard by now that mine is, is target. Costco was a big trigger store for me too. These are two stores that I just decided I would not shop in anymore, that I would, I would physically not go to those stores. And to this day, we no longer have a Costco membership, which is a membership store. And I probably go to target once, twice a year tops because I am too, we are all very susceptible to advertising. The average person sees 4,000 ads a day and 
marketers spend billions of dollars because advertising works. And yeah. so I, you really, when you want to get started, I would think about where you're going to start and I would think about what your trigger store is. Mm -hmm. And so a great one is like, you know, turn off one click. If you're an, if Amazon is your problem, disconnect your credit card and just thinking about stopping that inflow of stuff or deciding I'm not going to buy new clothing for six months, or I'm not going to buy, maybe you're a kitchen gadgety person. I'm not going to buy a new kitchen appliance for six months. While you're trying to move the things out, it really helps if you don't have more stuff coming in. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. And I think too, like when you find yourself um, in that moment where it's hard because I always say to people like you have to expect that you'll make mistakes that you'll like revert yeah. back to behaviors that you don't want anymore there are ways to sort of like catch yourself like always you know keep your receipts or um you know like remember to if you're in a spendy mood and you're really having a hard time not like keep like make sure you're spending somewhere that's like easy to return or, you know, yeah. or take that pause. Like I always encourage people to wait 24 hours or 48 hours right. or what, whatever the distance you need is. Um, even sometimes a couple hours is enough for people to be like, nope, actually I've like reminded yeah. myself that I want my money to go here or right. you know, I don't want to end up back where I was with the stuff. Um, but that you're sort of examining in those moments as well, like what's happening? Like, what are you feeling? Are you bored? Are you sad? Are you like yeah. not feeling productive? Like you had sort of a day where you haven't really done a lot and have you started like making a list of things you need to buy because sometimes that happens too I've, I've seen that with women that I work with like where you know you start to like create this list of oh I need to get sheets or I need to get socks or I need to get Tupperware or whatever because you're thinking of the things you need to do to like sort of um, keep that productivity going but really the truth is like you you generally have enough, you know, it's so yeah. rare that you actually need to go out and buy something, right. um, you know? And so we've got to start to like, sort of examine that. I think at, in the moment, like what, what's going yeah. on? Like, why am I here? I think one of the hardest ones too, when I think about mindset shift, you know, around the shopping pieces, I, that this is the hardest one for, for people to adopt is I'll say, you know, have you considered borrowing instead of buying? Yeah. And there is, it, it can be, you know, it, it can be sort of a countercultural kind of idea, but uh, somebody has to start. And, you know, we, we have very good neighbors and friends that live around us and, and I borrow things routinely. I have a recipe for a bread recipe that makes three loaves of bread. I own two bread pans. Yeah. And so when I'm making, I could very easily just one click a third bread pan, but I don't need it that often. Yeah. And my neighbor has an extra, so I can borrow it from her. Likewise, she borrows my two. I have folding chairs that I lend out to my neighbors. My other neighbor has a six foot table there. Mm -hmm. When you start to think about just the accumulation of like maybe one or two of these things isn't such a big deal. But I think we sort of have this idea that we have to own all the things ourselves. And I feel like there's this lost art of borrowing, you know, a cup of sugar from your neighbor. And I think the other reason that that's important is because it's fine to, you need a bread pan, we'll go buy one. But when you're in the store, you then buy something else and something else and something else catches your eye and the advertising works on you because once you're there, the stores are all designed brilliantly. They, these are very intentional designs. Likewise, if you one click a new bread pan, there will be a myriad of other suggestions for you that now you need a new canister for the flour and maybe you need new measuring cups. And so this is where sort of these um, additional purchases start to come in of things that we didn't need because the advertising is is so good. And so that's what I love about borrowing is because it keeps me out of the store. Yeah. It keeps me from seeing the advertisement that um, someone has worked really hard on to make sure it works on me and they're good. They're good at it. So 
Well, and I think when you talk about borrowing, like, I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, but a piece of that piece of that discomfort with the borrowing is also because that is relationship based. And I think in the way that our world is these days, um, it, you know, we are more isolated, we are more separated. And so it sounds like you have great relationships with your neighbors, but lots of people don't necessarily even know their neighbors or maybe not as well connected. So it's the discomfort of like reaching out and asking for something too. Like it's almost like a vulnerability. And yes, I think like that that can be really challenging um cuz i'm the same with the borrowing thing but i've certainly felt that myself when i've thought oh like you know i have um a couple of neighbors that i would ask or friends at work or whatever but um there's definitely people that i wouldn't necessarily approach to do that because i don't know them as well and so if i come up against um you know not knowing somebody then you are sort of in that situation but there are other ways to borrow as well like um even like Home Depot. Um, I don't know if they do this in the States because I'm in Canada, but mm-hmm. you can borrow or rent like yeah. um, where you can do that. And and here Absolutely. I live in a big city. I live in Toronto and there's lots of um, organizations that have done like tool libraries mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So um, I think, you know, the relationship part of it is tricky, but, um, you know, if it's sort of a discomfort of approaching people, there are also like alternatives, um, for you to sort of get comfortable with the idea of not just owning yeah. it. For yeah. You don't have to, I think it's the mindset shift of you don't have to own everything. Mm-hmm. So I think I love the tool libraries. We have some friends who live in Seattle and when I visited them, they had told me about the tool library and I said, Oh, please take me. I want to see it. So we went and I got to visit. There's three at the time. There were three tool libraries in Seattle. Perhaps there are more now, but it is just, I think when you, when I say stop shopping, it's because I want you to take a pause Mm -hmm. and I want you to think of, is there a different way that you could tackle this is you know, if you wait a couple of days, does the need pass? Mm -hmm. Could you attack this differently? Could you use something different in your house? You know, maybe you thought to your, you know, to your point, maybe you need more Tupperware or you need socks. And maybe in fact, your oldest is ready to hand down some hand-me-downs to your youngest with some socks. It's just that pause that allows us to say, do I really have to buy this or can I accomplish this differently? Um, and, and Sarah, I want to come back to the 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 neighbor piece just super quickly because I do believe that we are we are made for community and we're made for relationships. And, and like you said, that could be a whole podcast. But I have found that if I put myself out there to ask someone for something, they are then much more apt to ask me for things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it's it's like, somebody's got to go first and, you know, it is, it's okay. If someone says no, if they say, no, I, I I don't have that, or I don't own one of those to lend you. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Hey, if you ever need anything, like I'll lend you our snowblower or lawnmower. Like if you ever need anything, just ask, I might have it. I'm happy to lend it to you. It sort of starts that conversation and it creates um, this very different um, relationship that I think we have with people, a deeper relationship, which is just, you know, yeah. worth all the stuff in the world. So I think you're right. And I think that, um, you know, the discomfort piece is one that we all have to get a little better at because when we want to do things differently, there's going to inevitably be a piece of it that is going to be uncomfortable because it's yeah. something new to us. Um But also, you know, when you do go about getting something in a different way, other than like the one click on Amazon or whatever, um, you are actually working a little harder for it. So I think it does force you to examine how much you really need it. Because sure, if you just have to click a button and then it's delivered the next day, that's, you know, easy. Why not? You know, you can always return it, whatever. And, And then you know, people don't always end up returning it. And that sort of adds to it. But you also, if you had to walk down the street um, and go to a different store you've never been to before, or you had to 
you know, learn how to access the tool library, or you had to ask a neighbor or whatever, you're creating that friction point that really will sort of get you to examine how much yeah. it and, and whether or not you really want to bring it into your home. Yeah. Um, because I love things like, um, there's like hacks for, you know, what you can do if you don't have. Um, so if you ever like, for me, it was a roasting pan um, for a turkey and I didn't have one of those and I didn't have like a rack for a turkey and I Googled it and you can use like a cookie sheet and a, a coil of foil and okay. it really just functions the same way. <laughs> and so um, that's what I do when I cook a turkey because that's I, awesome. And so I think like also that is available to people. Like you can Google, you yes. can act around things like yes. you don't have to buy everything, even substitutions. Like it can go as far, like when you're baking, like, oh gosh, yes. cinnamon, like what can I use instead? So you don't end up buying a whole package of cinnamon. So, you know, like there are these ways around, we don't have to do things exactly the way we think we need to. Mm -hmm. And, and it really does lead to us having a lot less in our homes. Yeah. I think another mindset shift that's related to that is just, is just experimenting with less. Like to your point, you know, you don't have, you have a recipe and it calls for a certain spice. Well, instead of rushing to the store to pick it up, because that's what it calls for. Like, what's the substitution? I, I told you I was a terrible cook for almost 15 years, I think. And, um, longer that in my, than that in my life, but I have found plenty of substitutions on Google. Oh. And so if I can find them, you know, anyone can, and it's just that idea of, do I really need to bring that, that one new ingredient into my home? Or is there another way to do it, to use up the inventory of what I already have? The more of our inventory we use up, the more organized, more organized our spaces get, the more organized our fridges or our pantry. Like all of that just helps to bring that volume down and create more organization. We will um we'll do this this trick. It's similar to the stop shopping advice that I gave, which is we do a food inventory challenge in my house. And if I feel like the freezer's gotten full, the fridge and pantry are full, I will just say we are not grocery shopping mm -hmm. for at least a week. Or I, one time I said two weeks and then we got to two weeks and it was easy. And I said, let's see how far we can get with this. And we went 35 days. Wow. I, I learned how to make almond milk in that time. I made a lot of bread and used up a lot of extra flour we just, we just really kept going and we just pushed and, and until you force yourself to do things the harder way, you know, until you force yourself through that friction, right? You don't know how many meals you have in your house until you say, I am not going to allow myself to go in a grocery store. You really don't know how much, how much you've got. And then it caused me to think about, okay, how much food are we wasting? How much money are we wasting? And it was really an eye-opening experiment. Um, you don't have to do it more than once to realize that, so. Yeah, yeah, I know it's, I, I think, you know, the same as um, when you start to let go of things and you start to declutter, you recognize how much you really do have and how little yeah. you really can get by on, you know, if anybody's ever simplified their closet, you know, even if you just look at what you wear, um, like just simply even track what you wear over a week or two weeks, mm -hmm. um, which is an exercise I always encourage people I work with to do because you really see how little you wear. You have your go-to items yes. and, um, you know, I did project three, three, three years ago mm -hmm. and I mean, I definitely wear less than 33 items of clothing on a routine basis because I have my favorites and, yep. you know, and this winter it's interesting because I'm sort of challenging myself not to buy anything new because I've sort of felt that like, Oh, you know, my sweater has a hole in it or like, you know, those things where I'm starting to feel like, Oh, I should re replace some things, but mm -hmm. I'm sort of doing one of those challenges for myself right now to see like, okay, um, where's that really coming from? Do I really need to replace things? Yeah. What can I live with? And, um, because I mean, I think a lot, a lot of it is really rooted in scarcity. And I think a lot of us, 
um, struggle with scarcity and it shows up in so many different ways and it's really not always clear um, that something is rooted in that in that sense of scarcity um, and so yeah I think when we can sort of sit with things be present get off that productivity loop and just sort of um, sit with our stuff and and where we're at and figure out you know really what is it that we actually really need or we actually yeah. really yeah clothing is a great challenge to do i challenged myself to not buy anything for six months and during that time i remember i had this western style wedding to go to mm-hmm. in texas and i borrowed a dress i borrowed a hat i borrowed boots And, and that was perfect for me because it's not really a style that I wear. You know, I didn't already own cowboy boots or cowboy hat. It's just kind of not me. And it was lovely. And it was so much fun to wear all of that for the wedding and be part of the activity and be festive. But that proved for me that even with such a unique circumstance, I didn't, I didn't need to buy anything. You know, I had three friends who were willing to lend me all of those items. And I had a lovely time and have pictures to prove it and whatnot. So, but at the, what's interesting is at the end of that six months, I allowed myself to buy a dress and I never really loved the item I bought when it was over. It was just sort of marking the end of it because I could, and I ultimately did donate it some number of months later. I, I got rid of it. So it was really interesting to me that that the motivation was just that I could could call it done. And in reality, I think I probably could have taken that shopping moratorium a lot longer. So yeah, yeah. No, it always is interesting when you go through um, the reflection of the relationship with your stuff. What mm-hmm. you discover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today, Amy. Um, Could you you. share where people can find you if they're interested to, you know, um, learn more about you and, and read your articles? Where, where can they look for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got this little space on the internet called uh, simplyenough.net. And I think if they're interested in kind of learning my style and and kind of getting started with a few small spaces in their home, I have an email mini course. It's simplyenough.net slash five days. So it's five days of very common spaces. It gets you know, gets, goes easiest to hardest, but they're all very doable, like one, one challenge per day. So it's very, very bite size. And um, I think that's a great place, you know, for people to start. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, simply enough, Amy. Mm-hmm. And so both of those would be a great place to find me. So. Awesome. Well, I'll share all of those in the show notes and thank, thank you. you. Here. Thank you so much. It was a joy. I loved our conversation. Me too. Thank you. That's all for today. I'll see you again next week. And if you liked today's episode and found it helpful, I'd be so grateful if you would write a review. If you do, your name will be entered for this month's giveaway. You can also share with another mom who would be helped by listening. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Simple Intentional. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.